Give me something. Here we go, another weekly instalment of the podcast that got us all through isolation. And we thought as restrictions ramp up again, we may as well ramp up the quality. And I'm definitely not talking about my co-host. Stuck with Wally, Patty, and Ed White again this Hello. week, unfortunately. But we are also joined by the most decorated NBL coach of all time. Six championships, 735 games. Still looks like he could possibly take the court at some point. I'm speaking of none other than Brian Gorgian. Is that me? Is that me talking <laughs> You might have got confused. Uh, I, am, I am confused. I'm not used to English. So, uh, no, it's... It, it, it's great to be on board today. No, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, excited and really enjoying uh, Australia. Well, I'm glad that you could jump in here because you usually do run to the airport on Mildura every morning. I'm not sure what it is to stay in shape, but <laughs> no, you're doing, doing a very good job coming back here. But what brought you back here? We've heard all these talks about, you know, a friendship and trust and that sort of stuff. You've got grandkids over here, family, but that that's in. Melbourne, and you've gone out to Illawarra, a franchise that struggled for a while. What brought you back here? Well, you know, I, uh, from afar over the last period of time, it's about you know, when I left the Dragons, and Ed, you were you were a part of that group. Um, I, I thought I was coming back to Melbourne after being in Sydney and going through the the situation with firepower buying the Sydney Kings and the Sydney Kings crumbling, and now. I get an opportunity to come back to Melbourne and, and be in the area that I started when I played with Lindsey Gage back in the 70s and lived right around the corner, um, had a great team. Uh, we went on that year and won the championship, and I thought, man, this is going to be this is gonna be how I finish this, this thing. <laughs> and uh, within, it was the, within five, six weeks, it was over. And I just thought to myself, you know, I'm, being through uh, all these years in Australia, the one, you know, that inconsistency of is the club going to be okay kind of wore me down. And uh, that was the reason, again, I ended up overseas and uh, got to China and, and, and no, really enjoyed myself. I, I keep making the example in China, it's like playing for uh, coaching Collingwood, but there's a billion people. So, um, you know, I, I think back and, I, you know, when I left the NBL, it was a basket case. Um, the basketball being pro played, and I look at that team, the Dragon team we had, Tramel Darden, Dante Smith, Joe Ingles, Mark Worthington, you know, Gibson Carter, you know, competitive with, with today's game. It was just the, the state of the league was in disarray. And, and honestly, um, uh, just from afar, watching what Larry Kesselman has done with the NBL uh, slowly over an 11 year period has been amazing. And, uh, you know, when, when you're coaching in, you know, overseas, I've been to, you know, games in Korea, games in the Philippines, I always have a contingency of Australians with me. You know, Nick Pot, guys that have, you know, always assistant coaches, weight coaches, women coaches. I, I, you know, I, we have four or five of us, and we're like the group of Aussies. And even though I sound like this. <laughs> Welcome to the club, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the rest of them, the rest of them don't. But you always get, you know, God, what's going on over there? The league's so strong, and uh, you know, your national team's so good. you got all these kids playing in America, 25 million people. What are they doing over there? 
and uh, you know, it, it just um, really has, has really has lifted. So this year, when I got back, it was I came back during the pandemic. Pandemic, and uh, uh, normally it's a month because I've been involved with the Chinese national team, club team. This period of time, you know, the it's closed down over there, and I've been here since January. I got to see the playoffs, the finals of the regular season, and um, you know, uh, thought the game was great. Uh, yeah, just you, you could you could you could feel the vibe that it's it, it's coming back. And then uh, you know the <laughs> the second aspect of this was when I w was with the Kings and. The firepower thing hit. We knew in the middle of the season, and this thing's coming to an end. And uh, Dory, who's one of the new owners now with the Hawks, um, I used as kind of a, a mentor for myself. He's a, a big part of his business. He's, he's good with leadership, and he really helped me personally and really helped guide the team through that period where everybody knew there was going to be no more and we're still playing games. It was an unbelievable situation. And I remember we lost, uh, that was the year in game four, I, I ran around the court after we beat, <laughs> beat those Tigers. By, you know, they thought they had the game won, the balloons there, the trophies there. The guy behind me is just giving me an earful, and it's like, not today. You're going to have to wait two days to win this. I didn't know that then, but I, I was – I was so emotional at that time because I knew this this thing's over, you know, and I just thought I'm watching that fourth quarter and going, my, man, it's done. And, uh, you know, when it did finish on the Sunday following afternoon, late afternoon, we walked into that car park in, in Sydney and uh, Dory put his arm around me and he said, Brian, someday I'm going to get a team and you're going to be my coach. Wow. And uh, it was funny during the process of while I was here, and all that's going on in China, around the world, and you're watching this, he kept calling me and saying, hey, man, I think this is going to happen. I'm, <laughs> I'm calling in that chip. We're going to get this thing. And I, you know, Dory, if it, Dory, if it. And it did happen. And uh, he introduced me to Brian Colangelo and Michael Proctor. And uh, uh, very, very impressive. And, and you know, I, I just think they're the, the, the weakness, you know, Wollongong has always had uh, a great setup down there, but it, it has had that. Are they going to be okay? Are they going to be okay? And I, I believe in this ownership group, and uh, that was the that was the final piece. The league, the ownership group, and uh, you know, I, I know I'm going to enjoy Wollongong as a place to live. There we you go. We don't need to answer any questions. You can tell someone's a media <laughs> genius when they can answer every single question of a podcast <laughs> in three minutes of not even being asked. Yeah, that's amazing. Can I, can I just let, let, let me add? You got to remember, I, I told my wife I've done, I've talked more in the last day. She like kind of laughed at the end of the day. I've talked more in the last day than I have in eleven years. So on autopilot, on a plane, or you're having a beer and you can, turn and you go, uh, oh, yeah. Can't, you know, I can't talk to you. You know, I can't. I can't communicate with you. <laughs> Brian, can I ask? Then, look, just touching back on that on that South Dragons win, and look, I, I know it sounds like it was a very emotional time towards coming to the end. But look, you have a look at. I mean, you, you've won half a dozen of them, so you've won an absolute swag. You won a, you won three in a row up in Sydney. 
to take a team like that, that's and look, we know with the Melbourne teams, and I grew up watching in the eighties, nineties. I was a North Melbourne Giants fan, and then we had went to Victoria, the Titans, the Giants. We've had so many different teams recycling through, and it's hard to keep track. But this is a team. And it's one of these teams that gets built out of a bit of spare parts. You've come in one year, gone and got some amazing players, brought Wertho down, good friend of the show, Wertho. And uh, you guys have come up and you've win the unwinnable against the big hometown team. <laughs> Where does that sit in career achievements? To be able to do that in one season, come in, win it, and then you're out. About as, about as good as it gets. And uh, in all honesty, um, the, 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 that group of guys had been through a lot when I got there and the organization had. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny, you know, the game of basketball is so much different. You always compare it to the footy because there's so many pieces in the football where in basketball, you make a couple moves. You know, there's only five guys on the court. And, you know, you make – and there's good spacing between the games in the NBL. So, so you, you know, okay, these two imports, they have are here, and now you're two. Hey, man, you made two – are here. Joe Ingles gets a year older. He becomes a little bit more of a, of a man and more of a player. And then you add a Bacone and you add a Worthington, and all of a sudden it doesn't take much. I knew, you know, as soon as Dante Smith arrived, for Cortez Grove. <laughs> I said, hey, hey, baby, you know, we're going to be banging on that door. Here we come. And, uh, you know, to, to, to do it with, again, I always talk about the ownership because they've had such a, uh, either um, they've made the thing so enjoyable or made it so difficult. Uh, the Sydney thing at the end was, was uh, I mean, a lot of times I sit and talk with a man and go, we could write a book about this this year. With and no one, you know, you tell stories with, with the imports when you're in China about firepower and what went on that year. And they think they don't think you're telling the truth. You know, you're owned by Macquarie the minute then this happens and, you know, guys aren't getting, you know, what, what, what? <laughs> they don't think it's the truth. So that year, I mean, that added piece, having Ruffy Deminda and Mark Callan, is, is the ownership guys. I mean, they were such a special combination and, and the team felt, you know, so secure and, and well, they did everything so professional and they, well, and the, the, the media so guy, bad. the media guy did a great job too, Brian. Who, uh, he was great. <laughs> he, he sounded like me. That <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of Joe, speaking of Joe Ingalls, is it funny to watch this skinny, Smart ass kid now on the world stage having the success he's had. I, you know, it, it, it it's 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 fantastic. I mean, I I know that's a, a, a easy to say, but I mean, I knew that when I got there, you look and you go, this guy had, could could be great. Um, but in all honesty, I, I never, I, I didn't think this. And I, you know, I mean, I, I, he, he was at Maccabi. They win the championship, and he's a role player. He's a bench player. Virtually, they bring him to the Jazz to help with uh, Dante Exum because he's the first fifth-round pick. Joe's a pretty good player. He'll mentor. And he turns out to be um, – he's the pick. Yeah. And he's, he's, you know, the 
the, the great thing, and we all say this about, and you say it about a lot of people, but, you know, he's developed and everybody says, and I'm not a part of this. He was just a kid when I had, him, you know, but everyone in the league, when you talk, he's such a good teammate. He's such an important ingredient in the community and the team. And then we have that 10-year reunion with uh, the Dragon guys. We had that last year. And we're in some, some pub in Chapel Street, and Joe's <laughs> sitting there. And my wife said to him, we walking home, did anything hit you about the deal, you know, the, the, the event you had? And I said, yeah. I said, Joe Ingles is a better guy than he is a player. I go, I just couldn't, you know, I thought this guy's got to have some sort of shape to him. And, you know, man, if that was me, it'd be, hey, <laughs> you know, come on now. I'd be wearing, I'd be wearing chains like that on that day. But, you know, he was so, so great. Just, just so, you know, uh, into everybody else, trying to find out what everybody else was doing. So appreciative of that year. And I thought, man, this guy's just, you know, again, when I had him there, he was just a kid. You know, yeah. he's just the, he was just a young kid. He's just, you know, become an icon of the sport and uh, tremendous, like, unique player. Shoots that three, can play off the on-ball, gets other people involved in the game. Has a, Even how he looked, but he has a toughness to him. You know, he's a real competitor. So uh, really happy that, uh, you know, I, I got – uh, you know, had a year with him. Never Brian, you, oh, sorry, Brian you, you speak so well, mate. The Chinese version of this podcast will be queuing up to have you on. <laughs> um, I want to go back to China. Uh, J.R. Smith, obviously, is a handful of a person when he's in America. Put him in into China. Fireworks, I imagine. Give us a bit of dirt about J.R. Smith in China. <laughs> I know you didn't oh, coach him, but you, you mean, definitely would have, uh, you, you would have been you, there to you, see some stuff. You, you, you can tell some stories. I, I mean, one is he can flat stick play. So you talk about uh, offenses. You know, they, they would come down. He would dribble the ball down the floor, and they'd have four guys on the baseline. And he would just dribble the ball and score. And then if, if, if they brought in a point guard, they'd just stick him in the mid post and put three guys on the other side and roll it into him there. And you're going, you know, how do you, you know, to the Chinese, you know, how do you guard this guy? And it, it's funny that the, the, one of the great ones was the first, our first game is against their team on their court. And uh, I know that he had two rules in his contract. They didn't care about practice. He just had to make sure he was at around for the interview and he was at the game and we're playing him the first game if he plays we're in deep <laughs> shit if he doesn't play that's an automatic in china so you're you're sitting there and you're looking over at the warm-ups and, and i'm you know i'm looking at, there's there's no jr jr is not there there's no J. and then i'm i'm not tapping i'm tapping the interpreter uh you know hey hey is is, is jr there uh, Coach B, uh, uh, no, I, I don't see JR, you know, I don't see JR, you know, I'm asking you if he's here, can you go, find, you know, so you go through that, turns out he's in the locker room, he rolled into the game, like the six minute mark of the first quarter, and we're up like 12, 
You know, it's like 16 to four. Timeout, in he comes. He scores, I, I want to I say 51 or 52. We lose by like 12 points. And he was, he was, he was, fang- his team, it was like Geelong to Melbourne. His team, and it was, was like uh, that location to Shanghai. So, you know, he's in like a version of Hooterville. And now he goes down. And so he spent the whole week in Shanghai and would come and appear in the games. And then he had a, the, the second one I heard, and again, this is all hearsay. You know how you have those, those bands that, you know, like the, all the imports coming and the, you know, the interpreter, the GM, the other, and then there's four seats in the back with the, you know, the thing for the luggage. And they go out to the airport to pick JR up. 17 people. Wow. <laughs> 17 people and they're like very very charter of them today that. <laughs> that's like, an entourage <laughs> there's a there's an entourage and some of the some of the stories uh you know with the referees and you know uh I, he got called on a on a he, he's dribbling down the floor and he they, they were like 30 points behind and then he decided to play and they're playing like at a place you never win at and he brought the team back on his back to, and then the referee comes in, you know, and he ends up with five fouls. He scored like 12 points in a row. He gets them to their down one. He's dribbling down and he leans on a guy and steps back and steps up to shoot it. And the guy falls down. And as he's in the air, the referee blows his sixth foul. And while he's in the air, he just hurls the ball instead of shooting it right at the referee's head. So, you know, tech foul, JR is out. Other, uh, the other imports trying to control him, he gets thrown out. You know, and they end up losing the game. But he provided a, a great deal of entertainment. And uh, it was a, like you realize what those NBA guys you know the guys at that like he was uh like he could cross half court jump shots from, from just over half court unbelievable athlete unbelievable shooter um he was one of the best talents you know with marbury's been over there tracy mcgrady um uh ai was there for a little bit you know all, all of the, the the top ones have been through there and he, he rates very highly just as an offensive juggernaut. Sounds yeah. like a young young Felix von Hoff caught in a JR <laughs> Yeah, Probably the same amount of shots, but they usually cross the bar after the game, which, you know, that's, that's why we're all sitting here today, isn't it? But I'll tell you, now, getting imports in China, it's such an important, and it's just as important over here to the team's success. You talk about you have two imports integral to the team's success. Do you reckon you're going to go about it the same way that you used to go about getting imports in China, just lug the briefcase full of cash over to the Summer League and get them that way? Or is, is there a bit of a different methodology here that you can't really play by those Chinese rules when it comes to getting imports? You know that, Felix. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the NBL salary caps in their, you know, briefcase for a win. I mean, the, uh, you know, it's, but it is interesting what you say. Um, the, the, the CBA is, uh, the, the game is about entertainment. They want, they want the and the Chinese love that you know Tracy McGrady love those names. They they come they 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 pack the place just to see them and and to be entertained. 
where um, Australian basketball, you know, I've always spent like a lot of the guys that, that those, I mean, a lot of them, they, they don't want to practice. They don't want to, they, they'll, they, they do their thing. They come to the game, they entertain, and then they go about their business. Where in Australia, that the teamship, the, you know, the, the work ethic, everybody being on the same page, you know, it, it's, it's a completely, not only financially, but it's also a completely different person you're looking for. So I've always, a guy that just missed it out of college, Chris, uh, Chris Williams, Ebby Arab, um, guys that were this close, but they weren't good enough and they need to get better, but they've got a sniff. And they're still young enough to think they can make it. So they're hungry. Um, they want to please. They want to work. And they're talented. As opposed to a guy um, like China where they've done it all. They're pros. They're, you know, they, they, they like playing the game. It, it, it's, a different, it's a different deal. And from a fan standpoint and an owner's standpoint, it's – uh, in all honesty, I've, I've had Chinese situations where I've brought players that I've wanted to their attention, and they don't want them because they're they're not expensive enough. <laughs> it's like, man, well, I don't, you know, if, if I wanted a hundred thousand dollar player, I would have asked for one. You know, I'm I'm sorry, I want I want this, and I'm like, I'm used to, you know, Australia. If, if the cook, if the guy owner gave me a hundred thousand dollars, and I brought a guy back. For 50, kiss me. You know, it's like <laughs> com- completely different mindset. You speak about, Brian, um, we speak about their uh, ex-NBA players obviously going over and, and post was in their career. And China, Australia's becoming a little bit more of a breeding ground. I said I grew up in the 80s and 90s of the NBL and obviously it was a different, it was a different time back then and it was a big show in town. Was there anybody back then, because it's a lot different now, they, they go to college now in the US, whether they go to St. Mary's or to go to one of the high-profile high colleges. We've had a couple of players, Exum, obviously top five, Simmons going at one. Is there anybody back in the day in that 80s and 90s period that have had that college system that you think would have made it in the NBA? Now, this is, this is um, Australians or Americans. Are yeah, uh, any Australians from from previous Definitely, definitely. I, I, you know, I, I, I rem- there's the Australians have broken through now, and you've got examples of guys, and obviously their money they're making, the the you know, and it, it's created an energy in the youth here of wanting to play that that it can be done, and I just didn't that that hadn't happened. And, and, you know, the, the ability to show the NBA, the NBA being a part, it, it wasn't like that back then. And, uh, uh, you know, I know um, one guy that just um, was the most remarkable. All, my whole time in this thing, I've never had a Sam McKinnon athletically. I, I am, uh, that, that blew my mind. And I, I, uh, I've to this day thought, you know, if, if Sam um, went down the right path, got the right, that, that he could have been an NBA and not, you know, guys, I bet guys could make rosters. You know, there's, you know, 
this much, the 12th guy, who do you want in your 12th? Well, he's a better person. He does this. He's, he's, he's a good trainer. But an actual pro that's going to make a difference and, and, and can, can perform. McKinnon um, had that um, for sure. And I thought uh, Chris Anstey, if he would have had guys in front of him um, that, that had broken through, uh, you know, like, and, and we're, and we're making that money and, and doing the, I think Chris just didn't, didn't get it yet. Like, like he missed, he missed, um, Australia. He, you know, it's a, uh, I think it's an interesting thing, the football and the club coming back to, to this, there's such a strong element in the Australian sporting of teamship where I think, you know, that team I had at the Magic, the Melbourne Tigers with Copeland, Gaze, Brad, and I know you guys are aware of it. It, it was, um, and I loved it here. From from there was a difference from America to Australia in that form. The the and, and I think a lot of it arrived from the footy. They always talk about teamship, the culture. It's huge here. And you hear it in America now with a, a team like St. Mary's. I remember asking an assistant coach, man, I want to learn about your on-ball stuff that you're doing at St. Mary's. And he said, hey, Brian, you want to know the truth? It ain't about the on-ball stuff. It's about the, it's about the Aussies. He goes, mate. They, and what he's saying is it's, 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 they bring a culture. They bring a, a, a teamship to this. And now you're Chris Anstey. And you go to the – NBA and you walk in there and the coach hasn't spoken to you for a month and you're going up an elevator and he says, uh, you know, what's, what's, I forget, what's Lithuania like or, or whatever. And he goes, you know, I'm, I'm from Australia. You know, it's like, he doesn't even know, you know, um, where he's from and no one, it, it's very much in that day. And I think you could see it in the last dance, bring your bag, do your job. If we yeah. get along, that's great. But if we don't, no mm. problem. Just get me your 15 points and your 10 rebounds, and I'm fine. And yeah. I think it, that era, guys, the Frank Grimmicks, the, you know, the Sam McKinnons, the Chris Anstey's, um, and, I, and I look at, you know, guys like Joe Ingles, guys like Delhi, guys like mm. Baines. Yeah, these guys had that potential. Last one for you, I know – and I think he, he got an opportunity, but I sat next to Jerry Krause during that under-23 championships, and he, I was with him for a whole week. And I'm, I was alarmed at and learned, hey, man, I, I have no idea about what I'm recruiting. You know, like, you know, he'd ask me questions, you know, what do you see in this guy? What do you see in that guy? What, but to make a long story short, by the end of it, he goes, who's the best player on the Australian team? most valuable and I go mm. you know I'm looking and I'm going I'm thinking Maddie Nielsen you know with that group was playing really well and then I'm all oh, McKinnon you know uh, and you know and I, I, I came out with somebody he goes not even close he goes he doesn't play very much but it's Simon Dwight and I go Simon Dwight he's playing like five six minutes a game <laughs> he said now who in the NBA can block shots and shoot threes and I'm sitting there and I think about it. And if you played against Simon Dwight when he played with the West, I mean, he was knocked down from the three. And when he was standing by that rim, 
his timing. He could block with either hand. He goes, the closest thing to that is Marcus Camby. And he goes, this kid's a better athlete. <laughs> so I, it was really funny because you remember shortly after that, he got an offer from, I think it was Charlotte back then. Some, you know, Michael Jordan's team, I think he got an offer and turned it down. I'll tell you what, Brian, <laughs> you make our job very, very easy <laughs> and just roll it off the tongue like this. And I'll tell you what, you, the most, the highest paid job in China may have been your translator with the amount of stories you're able to reel. <laughs> we got, we got, we got stories there. Pour, pour a red and I'll, and I'll give you some, some, uh, Oh. Uh, Chinese, Chinese interpreter. Yeah, yeah. Times I grabbed that guy by the throat, grabbed him by the throat, and said, "Are you telling him what I just said?" Uh, uh, coach, you know, one of the Chinese coach, uh, one of the Chinese players I had at, at uh, Shanghai spoke English. The, the big Max played for Cal, and I went up to him one time and I go, "Hey, Max." Is Chung saying exactly what I'm saying? He goes, Coach, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> no. He goes, sometimes, sometimes he's saying, don't even listen to this idiot. You know? So it, it's oh, uh, that's great. That that process is hilarious. Oh, I'll tell you what, every, every coach in the NBL is walking on thin ice. They've pranced around this league yeah. thinking they're top shit for a long time. But I'll tell you what, the Messiah is back. The storytelling king, the coaching king, the only people that don't want you in this country right now, the men that wear green during the match, the refs, they're going to be walking up and down that sideline. <laughs> serious fear. No, I, I, I've, I've, been, I've been schooled there too. I think you're going to find a better guy after ah, what I've been I've been through. I think I'll be, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'll be more tolerant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, think, think. Beautiful. They can almost throw Will Weaver out of a game. I can't wait to see what happens with you, G. But no, we, we appreciate the time, Brian. We cannot wait to see you this year with the Hawks. And I'll tell you what, it is going to be a hopeful turning point for the franchise and you're going to be leading the way. Thanks to see you guys, and thanks seeing you guys. Felix, get to the gym, man. <laughs> hey, I'll, be, I'll be on the cardio equipment. Bring that, bring that, bring that belly. It's on the treadmill at the moment. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Cheers, thank you. Oh, dear. Fantastic. Now, that is an absolute <laughs> legend of every aspect of life right there. I tell you what, if I can walk into a gym... One of my favorite places and get absolutely roasted and still love the bloke. Mm. It speaks volume. I'll tell you what, Felix, uh, two things. Firstly, when we when you and Egg lock in that glass of red with Brian, I demand to be there. I want to hear the stories. <laughs> Secondly, I don't think anybody that uh, was a fan of basketball in the time that Sam McKinnon was playing will be surprised that he suggested that yeah. Sam Dunk McKinnon was yep. one that could have made it. That was yep. um that was amazing. Tell you what, he speaks well. We know he coaches well. I just can't wait to see him back. Well, part two with the red wine, that's almost an hour that's and a half a, long episode, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a, a, lock a, that's a sit down. That's a that's sit a, down that, sort that, of Howie Games episode, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, but Chris Anstey also, just to touch on the Sam McKinnon mm. stuff, Chris Anstey tells a great story about you just never know when your moment's going to come. Because there's plenty of times where he was out with, you know, Sam McKinnon just where he wouldn't be paying attention or he'd notice scouts in the stands. But then Sam McKinnon would be like, oh, no, I don't want to play today. Like, that sort of stuff. So you never know when your moment's going to come, fellas. 
Very yeah, absolutely. It is great to have him back, and uh, going to be interesting because you know Wollongong or the Hawks a little bit off, um, you know, off Broadway, if you will, as we mentioned, one of those clubs that kind of has been under the pump a little bit. So, going to be fascinating to see. We've already got you know Melbourne United, the Phoenix are ramping up. You've got Sydney Kings. It's going to be Perth, of course, are always there. Going to be great, mm. great for the league. It I is. can't wait. It's it's uh, life has been breathed back in, and uh, Felix. Speaking about life being breathed back in, um, if anybody has been following our tips the last two weeks around footy, we are in absolute trouble. I don't know. Do we even bother <laughs> trying to breathe life back into our tipping? Because the AFL is as hard as it is to pick at the moment. But yet, for some reason, with all the sport going on now in the world. We've all been choosing to go back to footy. Well, I'll tell you what, Wally. Now, our week-to-week tips have been absolutely terrible. And I, I admit that. Winners win is very hard to find. But there is one tip. I remember coming out and saying that Adelaide for least wins at $10 was a fantastic bet. And Gold you Coast did. were ridiculous you did. at the price they were at. Now, the tables have turned. Felix von Hoff, AFL ambassador. AFL ambassador. Watch out, Nathan Brown. I didn't didn't think anyone was going to ask questions that Brownie isn't on this podcast, but you know what? The elephant in the room. He's not. I'll tell you what, though, in fairness, Felix, I mean, when you actually look at it, like the the first, the first in in round two, I I was talking about the West Coast Eagles winning. um, And I was also saying, I think the other morals were GWS. I mean, you're not expecting both of them to get rolled. No. Mm. This weekend, I'm a Hawthorne fan, and I was saying get around Richmond because they're coming off the. They, they showed enough against Collingwood in that second half to show that they're good enough. Hawthorne didn't show anything, and we come out and smack them. Mm. It's too hard. It's too hard. That's <laughs> it's not going to stop us from giving another tip. No, no that's no, no, not. No, no, no. weird. Look, it's a weird time. You got to admit. You listen to Adam Simpson talking about all the issues that the, the Eagles have up at the in this hub or bubble, if you want to call it. So you're right, Wally. It's just all these weird. Uh, external and internal uh, pressures have really uh, turned tipping on its head, I think. And I think, I think now there's two things. One is that people are worried about the young teams at the start of these hubs. Don't worry about the young teams. <laughs> so these young guys that are hungry in their first two, three years of footy, do you think they, they give a shit that they've got to be in a hub? They're just happy to be playing footy. A lot of them don't have families. They don't have kids. Yep. They don't have the other commitments. They're happy to hang out, chat to a mate, play a video game, watch some Netflix, and then just train because they're – they're doing that. I mean, yep. and these younger sides, they're going to go, well, I think now I'm sick of trying to go, I'm backing in good teams. I'm just going to back <laughs> against the teams that aren't handling it. Yeah. So I'm, 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 if you, I'm going to be taking Port this weekend and I'm going to be taking Gold Coast this weekend and I'm going to be taking Brisbane. Now, if Boy, you multi those three up, you're getting yep. three bucks if you can believe yep. that. So Gold Coast to beat Freo. Port to beat their counterpart over there in West Coast. And Brisbane will smack Adelaide. Yep. So that's three bucks. Now, yeah. that is not um, – forget all the form and stuff. That is just going three teams are not handling this. And that and I've, I've singled those out and I'm backing against them. Well, Wally, remember last week my little same game – Stat attack multi. Yep. It was over. It was over before it even started because Dusty was a laid out. But every single other money leg, back. So, uh, money well, back. I got my money back. But every single other leg walked in, and it was paying yep. twelve to one. It cruised in. So I, I'm resetting. I, I I predicted in my mind that all these games are going to be hard to tell. So I, I bugger off the result. I don't even worry about the result. Whoever wins, who's smart. Me this week, it's another six legger. 
All right, four players to get 20 touches. Uh, Jake Lloyd at $1.22, McRae at $1.17, Luke Parker at $1.36, and the Bont, this is Thursday night's game as well, at $1.45. Yeah. Like and then a goal, a goal each for Papley and Joshy Bruce pays seven bucks. Yeah. The Don't thing have to worry is, about the result. I just get six the legs, Paddy. I know it's tricky. I know the other one's the goals. I, I, I love the 20. Do you guys love the 20 uh, disposals? Because they've come down. Fantastic. And, it, it, how much better is 20? I reckon we're giving the punters an edge here. I reckon 20. It's, yep. I, know, I know it's come down 20, 20% in terms of game time. But we're getting better prices at 20 than we were getting at 25. Ooh, Far better. And the best thing to do, you keep it doggy style, four legs. <laughs> Top two each side. Like you it. hit almost every game apart from an injury. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Do, you know, do you know that we offer 15 as well, Wally? Dude, I actually didn't. This isn't a sales bill if you're watching this. Yeah. <laughs> that is fair That's great. And if you get in from now, we might have been for 60. Uh, and then, yeah. 10. From last week, we started offering 15 or more disposals. Oh, very um, good. Which is good. So, yeah. Well, last week I thought I'd do a big, big 12-legger, 15 disposals. Actually, the only leg which didn't get up was Lockie Whitfield because he got injured in the first quarter. An eleven legger. Yeah, ballsy go, move. It's a ballsy move, Paddy. What about you, boys? Twelve legs. We've all seen the human centipede. We all know how that one turned out. <laughs> Usually not too successful. Good at the start, but uh, just trails out. Now I'm going to stick to the futures here, because again, I'm uh, the season's annoying me. Sports bet accounts annoying me, so I'm going to stick to the futures here. Matt Rowell at $19 for the Brownlow. Now, we've seen this sort of stuff because Brownlows can be won based on reputation with the umpires right now. Matt Rowell is the talk. He's being watched by the umpires right now. He's gotten potentially three votes in the last two games, maybe a couple in round one. He's a serious shot. We've looked, and even if Gold Coast start to lose, he's still a chance to pick up votes because the eyes are on him. You look at Paddy Cripps, the amount of votes that he polls in losing games. Even if the Gold Coast trail off, the eyes are still on Matt Rowell and there's talk of it. And that's the sort of thing that could potentially win you a Brownlow. You don't necessarily, as we've seen, it's not necessarily just the best player that wins it. Mm. Oh, it's a good bet. I, I, I'd, want, I'd want closer to 31 bucks myself. Um, just only feelings because I think they're going to win plenty of games. But you, you made a great point. The umpires uh, will follow in players of note, and that's fine. But traditionally as well, it takes players a season or two to start getting those votes and yeah. getting noticed. And there is some other players in that team that do a lot of midfield work. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But well, the fact he is standing out so much and he's a midfielder that kicks goals and he does get centre clearances and all that, that, that helps. He's, he's got to be on six votes already. He, he, he would, wouldn't I mean, have in the yeah, first, he's, but he's definitely no, got no. six votes. For the Do you reckon? Yeah, he probably does. He probably does have six. And now, that's, I'll tell you that's, what, that's worth a felt the stumps from there. I'll tell you what, boys. One of my favourite sayings is the loudest in the room usually knows the least. And that is probably never so prevalent than when Ed is stuck on a podcast with us three blokes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ed, have you got anything for well, us this week? Well, look, the, my Premier League tips have been going okay. I got Spurs this morning to win to nil, which was paying about 240. So that was my tip for this morning's game. Oh. I'm looking at the Liverpool game. Anything, Patty, anything that's coming ahead for the punters, Ed? Yeah. Yeah, I've got that. I'm just going to pump myself up a little bit to start with. If I'm not going to do it, no yeah. one else will. Yeah, good uh, <laughs> Patty's a big Liverpool fan. I know that. They're playing overnight uh, against Crystal Palace. Mm. Now, they cannot clinch tomorrow. Even if they win, they have to wait till Thursday to see what happens with Manchester City. So they're not going to clinch. I like Sadio Mane as an anytime goal scorer. It's a buck 83. He scored the last five times Liverpool's played Crystal Palace. I think the nil-nil draw was kind of like blowing out the cobwebs for uh, Klopp's guys. 
I think they're back against Palace, who will have a letdown after a big win against Bournemouth. So Mane to uh, score any time, buck 83. And I think Liverpool probably wins. They're only paying a buck 28 to win. 215 for the same game, Ed. If you put those in together, yeah, Liverpool sure. win and yep. Sadio Mane. So yep. like it. Double your money. Yep, for oh, sure. Very, very nice. Ed should be able to dig you out of the hole that our tips have dug you into. So. <laughs> Don't know <laughs> about that. There. But anyway, that's all we've got time for. Plenty of action on this week's episode to give me something. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you same time next week. See you, guys. Hey, Give me something.